What does worship look like? Turn in your Bibles to John chapter 4. We're going to start there and see the importance of worship. But I'm going to jump around. And, and, and in my message this morning, I'm, I'm going to talk about individual worship, and I'm going to talk about corporate worship. And what I mean by individual worship is, is this. I'm, I'm going to give you a little tidbit of my sermon. Worship is a lifestyle. Worship is how we live our lives. So how we worship God in our everyday living, I'm going to talk about that. But then I'm going to talk about how we worship God in our corporate worship like we were doing this morning. Man, when they were singing that song, um, that last song, Sovereign Over Us, I just want to lift my hands. And I'm going to talk about corporate worship and lifting your hands. I'm going to talk about singing out. You know, God has given us a lips. He's given us a voice. And, and we need to praise him with our voice. We need to praise him with our hands. We need to praise him with our hearts. But let's look at John chapter 4, verses 20 through 24. In John chapter 4, Jesus meets the Samaritan woman. And there is so much in this passage. We see the omniscience of Jesus. We see him offering her living water. We see him crossing cultural boundaries from a Jew to a Samaritan. But we also capture in this chapter a, a beautiful picture of Jesus' statement on the importance of worship. Let's take a look at it. John chapter 4, verses 20 through 24. She says, our father worshiped in this mountain, and you people say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus said to her, very powerful words here, woman, believe me, an hour is coming when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. And Lord, as we dive into worship this morning, Lord, let us um, go back to the foundation of your word of what your word says worship is and how important it is in our life and that we understand it. In Jesus' name I pray, Father. Amen. Amen. Today's culture that we're living in, when you hear the word worship, the first thing most people think of is, is, is a concert. It's a place where people gather. It's, they think of, oh, you're going to worship. Oh, so you're going to gather with a bunch of believers and y'all are going to sing a bunch of songs. Sometimes we see it as a concert. Sometimes we see it as a show. But guys, there could be nothing further from the truth than seeing worship as a concert or, or, or worship as a show. That's not what the scripture says. Worship, it comes from every single believer. And you worship in your life. Whatever's most important in your life you pattern your life after, and you, you, you'll find, you'll discover in your life that you are worshiping that. But when we place Christ first in our life, we're going to talk about the meaning of the word worship and the English word it comes from, which is worship. And we're going to see that as, as we understand what the Bible says, that it'll teach us how to worship. Charles Spurgeon said this, 
He says, do not flatter yourselves. If you go to places of worship merely to look about you or to hear music, you are not worshiping God. Now, I'm going to be the first one to admit, I, I am as guilty as the rest of you. I've been serving the Lord for 26 years, and there's been times where I've been in church where you go to worship service, and you're sitting like this right here. And you're just watching the worship team. You're just watching the worship man. You're hearing Blake and, and Dina hit those great notes, and you're looking at the words of the songs, and you're just kind of staring off into space. That is not engaging in worship. That is not engaging in worship. Worship should be coming from all of us. So what does the Bible say? Let's first look at verse 23 in the passage we just read. As we just discover and we explore what worship is. Let's first look at this passage and we'll move around in our Bible. I don't think you're going to have to do too much page flipping because I believe we have most of the slides for the verses that talk about worship. But there in verse 23 in yours, in your Bible, it says, but an hour, Jesus says, but an hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people, the Father seeks to be his worshipers. The Father seeks out those who will worship him. And what does it say? It says, in spirit and truth. It's not a geographical location you go to. It's not, it's not, it, we don't go to Jerusalem to worship. We don't come here to Calvary Chapel or Irma to worship. We worship every day in our life. And here's the thing. He says in here, God is spirit and those who worship must worship in spirit. Spiritual worship comes from where? It comes from our heart. Number one thing you need to understand about worship this morning is it comes from our hearts. It's spiritual. It is, it, but, but also being spiritual on the inside, it will manifest itself in the way we live our lives out in the world. It will manifest itself in the way we do corporate worship in a church. So he says here, those who worship the Father must do it in spirit and truth. It's in spirit. It's done in the heart. It's not in a geographical location. Then he says, those who worship the Father in truth. That's very, very important. That's very, very important. Scripture, the Word of God, instructs us and, and tells us how to worship. Worship of God in our lives is always based on the Bible, what the Bible says. We don't get to create the way we want to worship, but we create the way the Bible teaches us to, to, to worship. Our understanding and our practice is driven by the Bible. Listen to what John Piper says. John Piper says, Worship is when the mind apprehends great truths about God. All of a sudden, in your mind, you're like, Wow, that's huge. That's amazing. And then he says, John Piper says, And the heart kicks in with deep feelings of brokenness or wonder and gladness and admiration and gratitude. It's okay to have emotions. Emotions are good. Feelings are good. When you understand the cross and you understand everything that God has done for us, your heart will melt in praise and adoration. John Piper continues, strong affections for God, here it is, rooted in and shaped by the truth of the Bible, the truth of Scripture. He says, this is the bone and marrow 
of biblical worship. So our worship of God is always based on the truth of God's word done in spirit, but also when he says um, worship the Father in spirit and truth, the object of our worship. Who is the object of our worship? Jesus, God. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Our object, our, our, our objective when we worship is to focus on the Lord Jesus Christ. It's to center on him. Our goal in our worship setting and in your life is on Christ, is on the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the object of our worship. Now, if we'll be honest, I've been in this next place before. But sometimes worship can be in vain. Do you know what I'm talking about when we say worship, being, worshiping in vain? I've been there many times. Many times throughout my Christian life, you know, I've, I've, I've just been lulled to sleep. I've kind of lost my focus. But, but worshiping in vain is this, when your heart is not in it. Can anybody relate to that? Where we go through seasons of our life, where you go to church, you do the Christian things, but your heart's not there. It's a tough place to be in. I've been there. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 15, verses 8 and 9, he says, This people, they honor me with their lips, but their heart is far away from me. But in vain do they worship me. Their heart is not in it. And sometimes we have the theology correct and right in our mind. We have it all set in order, and it's rock solid. But sometimes that rock solid theology in our mind doesn't make its way to our heart. And at times we can worship in vain. We need to look at him and say, God, you are so magnificent. You are so great because of the things I see you do in the Bible that it makes me adore you. It makes me worship you, and I'm not doing it in vain. A second way that we can worship in vain is when we're living in rebellion. When we're living in rebellion, when we go out, And we live like the world, and then we come into church on Sunday mornings, and we praise our hands, praise our hands. We lift our hands, and we worship the Lord. But that's worshiping in vain. Our life, the way we live our life, should match our theology and our minds and our beliefs and our hearts. And they all come together, and they form this thing we call the heart of worship. Anybody want to go there? Anybody want to be there to come to this place where everything, your heart, your emotions, your mind, everything is centered on Christ Jesus and and worshiping him. But what do we do? Let me me go back to this, though. I I said you can worship in vain. What do you do if you find yourself in a place where you're worshiping in vain? Well, first off, if you're you're in rebellion and your heart's not in it, you you need to repent. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful just to forgive us and cleanse us. And not only do we repent, but we cry out to God. We cry out to God and say, God, change my heart. Change my heart. Reorient me. Pray. But also, in addition, that's if if, if we're in rebellion. But how about, this is the most likely 
situation is when you're when you are a believer you got your theology in order and everything's good but your heart's just not in it you got it right here but you're not feeling it you're not feeling it in your in your heart where do you go then isaiah 40 31 says this this is where we go he says yet those who wait for the lord will gain new strength they will mount up with wings like eagles they will run and not get tired they will walk and not become weary he says in the opening of that verse he says yet those who wait for the lord the first thing you do is you wait upon the lord you wait upon the lord you wait upon the lord and you stay faithful and, it's, and it says there it says they will mount up with wings like eagles and it says look i love this they will run and not get tired here's what you do when your theology is here, but it's not here, you stay the course. You stay the course, and you wait upon the Lord, and you ask him, reignite that fire. Reignite that fire. You know, we still live in a fallen world as Christians, and we still, at times, in our Christian walk, go through seasons where we're not feeling it. Where we're not feeling it. We're not passionate. We don't have the joy. We don't have the strength. And we're just kind of, cruising along there's little excitement what do we do in those situations we wait upon the lord stay faithful he will reignite that passion he will reignite that fire go to your prayer closet go to your prayer room you know say god consume me with a consuming fire your word says our god is a consuming fire tell him to ask him Petition the Lord, reignite that passion. We're done with this dead, dry religion. And we want fire in our bones. We want fire in our soul. That's what we want. So that, that's what, that's what we're looking at, so we will not worship in vain. Let us be joy-filled. Let us be excited in our Christianity, in going to church, in being a witness, in serving people. Let us be joyful, because it all comes from a heart of worship. So we see in John chapter 4 the importance of worship, the priority that the Father puts on worship. It says that the Father seeks those who worship him in spirit and truth. It comes from the heart. It's ignited by the Holy Spirit. It's driven by the truth of God's word. It can be done in vain, but there's a way to get out of, being, of it being done in vain and him igniting the passion. So now what I want to do is I want to turn the corner and I want to look at worship on an individual basis and a corporate basis. Individual basis meaning you, how you live your life in worshiping the Lord. And then I also want to talk about this because, man, we are so blessed with so much worship talent and our worship team. We, have, we, we probably have a good, what, seven, eight, nine, ten people. It goes 12, 13, 14, 15 when you include uh, Ryan and Madison and, and, and Mabry and other people serving in the back of the house. But our worship at Calvary Chapel Irmo is rising up to where we want it to be. And we want to be a body of believers that worship. So we're going to talk about corporate worship also. But first, let's talk about individual worship. Individual worship in Scripture, this is the heart of worship. This is the heart of worship. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. If you don't have this verse memorized, you should. Romans chapter 12, verse 1, Paul says, Therefore I urge you, brethren, 
by the mercies of God to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. This is the heart of worship. And if you go look at the NIV version, it says, therefore, I urge you, brethren, uh, it says, in view of God's mercies, which I believe conveys the meaning of the text just a little bit better. In other words, in light, Paul's saying, in light of what God has done for us at Calvary, in light of what God has done for us through the resurrection of Jesus, in light of the gospel and what he's given us, new life, in light of that, there should be no other response than to fall on your face and to worship God. So number one, in the heart of worship, based on Romans 12, 1, worship is this, it's a response to the gospel. It's a response to the gospel. When you rightly understand the New, the New Testament and what Christ has did for us at Calvary, you look at Calvary and you are just humbled and amazed. That, remember that old um, song, I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene. Do y'all, do y'all remember that old hymnal? But I stand amazed, I stand humbled at what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. He's given us eternal life, forgiveness of sins, a new life. He's he's given us hope, and and, and he's saved us. The Lord Jesus Christ, he saved us at Calvary from the wrath that is to come, which I will talk about in next week's message from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. But he has saved us. He has redeemed us. And all I can say is, Wow, wow, God, you are amazing. You are awesome. It it just makes me want to get out on my knees and lift my hands and say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. So the heart of worship, Romans 12, 1, worship is a response to the gospel. Now, the English word for worship, it comes from the word worth-ship, which means that uh, worship is... It means for us to display the worth of God in our lives. Basically what he's saying here, basically what this word means is, is this. Worship is a lifestyle. Worship is a lifestyle. You worship God Monday through Friday. You worship God Saturday and Sunday. You worship God seven days a week. Listen to what A.W. Tozer said. A.W. Tozer said, um, He says this, if you're not worshiping God on Monday the way you did the day before, perhaps you're not worshiping him at all. Sometimes we go to church and say, I want to get my worship on. And that worship zone is good. Then we leave worship and we leave worship there. But that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches, you know, Romans 12, 1, our bodies or we are a living sacrifice. We men, we worship God how we treat our wives. How we deal with our family, how we treat our wives, how we live out our daily lives. Men, women, all of us alike. How we treat people at work, how we handle our business at work, how we handle our finances, how we do everything in life is a representation of what's taking place on on the inside. It's, it's everything from how we treat our family to how we live our lives. It's this, according to that, that, that definition of the word worship, which is worship, it's, it's us displaying to the world what God has done in our life. That's what it is. 
That's what it is. When we, when we go about our daily life, we, we are worshiping every single day. Let us be a people that understand the gospel, that appropriate it to our lives, to our life, and let us go out and live it. And let that be our sacrifice. Romans 12.1, present your bodies, what does it say? A living, <laughs> a living, alive, not dead, not on the altar, a living sacrifice, holy, consecrated, dedicated to God in holiness, in righteousness, in purity, in, in, the, in the way we live. He says, which this is your spiritual service of worship. So there's worship in our everyday life. Let us go be a people that worship the Lord. At times, we blow it. We bring it to his throne of grace. We bring it to his throne of grace, and we pick up where we left off, and we say, Lord, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to worship you. I'm going to worship you in this moment. I have found myself, this, this is no kidding, so many times in life, I have faced a temptation to sin against God. And guess what I did? I sinned against God. I broke his commandments. But one of the things I've learned in my Christian walk is, and the Lord brings it to my mind when I face it, temptation now. I'm, I'm tempted to sin against God, to break his commandments, and I say, God, in this moment, I'm going to worship you. I'm going to worship you. And my flesh is saying, go do the sin. And I'm going to say, no, in this moment, I'm going to worship you. And I'm going to praise you. And I'm going to bow my head. And instead of diving into this temptation, I'm going to bow my head and pray to you. I'm going to sing out with my voice. I'm going to lift my hands. I'm going to praise the Lord. I'm going down the road. I'm going somewhere. I'm doing something. I'm going to choose to worship him in the moment and let my life be a living sacrifice. In those areas where I break his commandments, I'm going to bring it to a stone of grace. I'm going to repent and I'm going to get on the right track. Amen? Amen. Amen. So that is the heart of worship. The heart of the worship in the New Testament is not the corporate gathering. The heart of worship in the New Testament is how we live our lives. That you, that's throughout the New Testament, is how we live our lives in light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But now, I want to talk about our corporate worship. I want to talk about our corporate worship. And what is corporate worship? It's what we're doing this morning. It's when you come to church on Sunday mornings and we gather together. Principle number one about corporate worship is this. Corporate worship is not a concert. It's not a concert. We do not come to observe. We don't, we don't get to sit up here and say, wow. Did you hear Blake hit that note? Wow, can, can, can Amy sing that? That is amazing. How about Maurice over there on the guitar? Man, he is, he is killing it. Is that, what we're, is, that the, is that how worship should be? No, no. We're not here to observe. We are here to engage. We are here on an individual basis where you're at in your seat and that spiritual moment of corporate praise and worship, you are here to focus on the Lord. You are, you are here to, to focus on God. He is the object of our affection when we worship. 
It's not in the lights or the smoke or, or, the, or the whatever theatrics of the stage, but it, it takes place in your heart, in my heart, in our hearts. It takes place in us. So the first way, I'm going to give you three of them, three ways that we worship God in a corporate setting like you are now. The, the first way is this. We worship God with our hearts. We worship God with our hearts. The time of corporate worship and singing is a time of spiritual worship from our hearts. Amen. And, and we, we don't want to do it in vain. We want to seek. We want to, God, open my heart. My heart is open to you. Let me worship you. As, as Jesus said in John chapter 4, in spirit and truth. John 4, 24, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. That spirit there is a lowercase s in John chapter 4, verse 24, and he's talking about your heart. Let it um, flow from your heart. It flows from within us. That's number one. That keeps our hearts worshiping, and that keeps us from, from worshiping in vain. That keeps us from worshiping in vain. But number two, after your heart during praise and, the time of praise and worship, after you've got your heart opened and you're worshiping the Lord Jesus. Now, some of this, you can be like, really, David? You got to say that? Yes, I do. Because so many times you go to a worship setting and people are just, just kind of mum, you know, just staring and there, there's no action. And I, and I believe there should be. But we, we do need to say this because the scripture, because the word of God says so. But the second way we worship is with our voices. We worship God with our voices. Psalms 40 verse 9 says, this is all it says, I have proclaimed glad tidings of righteousness in the great congregation. Behold, I will not restrain my lips. O Lord, you know. My friend, during praise and worship, let it rip. Let it rip. Sing out. Sing out with your voice. You know, I get to sing out loud. Y'all don't, don't want to hear me on a microphone, okay? Because we, 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 we want to build the kingdom, not tear it down. You don't want me up here. But when I'm out there and you can't hear my voice and it's not in this little microphone thing, I sing out. When we first um, built the sanctuary, you can't see it now. It doesn't do it no more, thankfully. But when that air conditioner unit would come on, this screen right here, there'd be a little vibration. Do anybody ever remember that? Or is it just pastors that see these little things? <laughs> okay, Greg, Greg remembers it. But this screen right here, it used to shake. Just, just a, every time this unit come on. Folks, let's make these screens shake. Okay? But not with the vibration of the air conditioner unit. Let them shake with the vibration of our voices singing out praises to God. Let it rip. Um, Dan, you're sitting over there this morning. That's not your usual seat. You know that, right? Well, three weeks ago, I'm telling you, if you want to hear somebody singing in a beautiful voice, just belting out the praises of the Lord, sit by Dan. Three weeks ago, three, uh, three weeks ago, we sang um, It Is Well With My Soul. Do y'all remember that? 
three weeks ago, we sang, It Is Well With My Soul. And me and Irene, we like to scoot right over here in this area because normally this is where Monica Addison is, is seated right here. And Dan is normally right back there in the corner. But let me tell you something. They can sing. And it is heavenly. And they are letting it rip. Beautiful, beautiful sound. To, to hear that choir-like voice just singing his praises. But let me tell you something. Monica and Dan, we're, we're going to get y'all up here. We're going to get Monica and Dan up here, and we're going we're gonna to get them on the worship team one day. But, man, they, they let it rip. They let it rip on Sunday mornings, man. Sing out with your voice. Sing out with your voice. The, he, he's made these lips um, so we can praise him. Sometimes we put too much pressure on the worship team. Sometimes we put too much pressure. Churches as a whole, across, the, across everywhere, not, I'm not necessarily seeing us, but the culture, the way we're going, we're putting too much pressure on the worship teams. I think one Sunday, I'm, I'm just going to get Blake some batons. You know what batons are? That's what the orchestra uses. And I'm just gonna, Blake's just going to come over here and say, all right, church, let's go. <laughs> and let them voices sing out. That's what we're going to do one day, one Sunday. No, no, seriously. But our worship team does a beautiful job of leading us in worship but man let's take it up a notch with them let's sing out with our voices now i I ain't saying go out there and scream and 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 be and be and be kind of like a a, a hurting your ears or or like me you know i have to to be careful of mine because my voice ain't the greatest when it comes to singing but let us sing out let us sing out with our voices praising him that and that's Psalms 40, verse 9. I have proclaimed glad tidings of righteousness in the great congregation. He says, Behold, I will not restrain my lips. Oh, Lord, you know. Church, let's not restrain our lips. Amen? Amen. Let's do that. So, we, we worship in our corporate setting with our hearts. Secondly, we worship with our voices. We need to be reminded of that. And, and even this morning, man, I, I'm, just, I'm throwing y'all some praise. It sounded beautiful this morning. It did. It really did. Uh, I mean, there's, y'all, were, y'all were doing great, and we want to continue that. There was that second song. Was it Holy Spirit y'all sang? Um, anyway, it was one of the songs. I'm not going to sit there and try. But it was songs. I was like, it, it sounded heavenly in here just to hear everyone worshiping the Lord. And it's, I, I, I love Blake's voice. I love Dina's voice. I love all the guys' voice, and I love when they praise. But there's nothing better than when you hear the congregation voice come up and it's equal to sometimes even a little greater than that's when you know worship is on worship is on so let's worship with our voices the final thing I want to talk to you about this morning is is this in in corporate worship is we worship with our hands we worship with our hands I looked it up yesterday there's over 20 verses in the Bible that, that talk about lifting your hands. Paul says, I want all men to lift up, lift up holy hands without wrath and dissension. I, I want to encourage men to lift up, and ladies, encourage all people to lift up their hands in worship. Uh, I'll never forget, um, I got saved in 1992. I was at Bethel Temple, Assembly of God Church in Hampton, Virginia. It was a Sunday night, and it was worshiping all these people around me, and they're lifting my hand. They're, they're lifting their hands, and I'm like, I ain't doing that. There's no way I'm doing that. And 
And it was just like, it grew on me. It grew on me. That's the best way to describe it. I mean, they were praising the Lord and rocking back and forth. And I'm like, okay, 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 okay. I'm done with this. And all right, Lord, you know, a little hand here, a little hand here. And then over time, a little hand here and a little hand here. And then next thing you know, I'm just like, praise the Lord. But, but it's, it's biblical to raise our hands. Psalm 63, 4 says this. It says, I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name, I will lift up my hands. I will lift up my hands. It's a good thing to lift our hands and worship the Lord. Now, I understand if you're like, man, I'm not comfortable with that, Pastor David. I understand. I understand. I've been there. I was there. I remember that. I was like, what are these crazy people doing lifting their hands? I mean, that ain't for me. I understand. But just consider it. Just consider it and say, Lord, I want to lift up my hands to you. I want to praise you. You know, when I think about lifting up your hands, I think about um, what a criminal does when he's chased by a police. Police officer goes after a criminal, chases him down the road, turns the corner, goes down the back alley, gets to the back alley, and the criminal turns around, and the police holds his gun out and says, freeze. What does the criminal do? <laughs> no, hopefully not. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Some of them do. But in most cases, most cases, the one being chased by the police officer, he'll raise his hands. He'll raise his hands. And what is raising your hands a sign of? Starts with an S. Surrender. That's what it is. That's what it is. It's not so, hey, Dalton, look at me, man. I'm raising my hands. Why ain't you raising your hands? No, it ain't got nothing to do with that. Or being a show off or, or, or anything like that. It's about saying to the Lord in your moment of worship, I lift my hands to you because I surrender to you. You know, um, we like to cut the lights down in worship. You know why? Because the focus is not on us. It's not, it's not on us. We dim the lights so we're not like, okay, what's Matthew thinking about me? And what's Blake doing? And what's Irene doing? And what's this person thinking? We dim the lights and we, we, you know, we got some light up here, we got lights on the words, but we do it so we can focus on Christ, so we can focus on the Lord. I think that's, I think that's biblical. I think that's fine. As our church moves forward, um, we are going into a season right now talking about worship where we have been as strong as we ever have been. I remember back at Lake Murray Gymnastics, we were going through a tough season with finding a worship leader. And one Sunday, it was my daughter and her um, friend next door, next, next, next door neighbor, Lauren. And uh, we just didn't have nobody. We didn't have nobody to help with worship. And it was tough. And then Dina came along. And how amazing it was at this time that she came along where it was Dina and Emily. And um, I think, I forgot who else was with you guys. But she, who? Yeah, Christian. Christian Ka, who, who's, who's out this morning, who's not feeling well. And then we came over here. and, and well, no, Actually, Blake and Amy, you came a part of us at Lake Murray Gymnastics. And then Maurice came along. And um, Ryan and Madison, y'all joined us at Lake Murray Gymnastics. And Daniel and Emily. And um, I'm trying to think if there's anybody else with the worship. Yeah, Dusty. Yeah, Dusty Brandon. You guys came along. 
and our body is growing and it is building. I mean, we're at the point now where we have two worship teams, which is super. And we want to build on this ministry. And not only do we want to be a, a verse-by-verse um, Bible-teaching church, that's the cornerstone. That's the cornerstone that will never be moved as long as I'm the pastor. Um, but we want to be a church that worships. We want to be a church where during praise and worship, we are lifting up holy hands. We are singing out. We are asking him to come down and inhabit our praise. And in those moments of praise and worship, you know, we are not going to be afraid if someone needs prayer. We're going to lay hands on them and we're going to pray for them. If somebody needs to be, if we're asking God to heal someone or we're asking God for spiritual gifts to edify the body, you know, that all those ministries are biblical and, 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 they, and they start with our heart being in a right place. And that's what we want to be. We don't want to build this church on our ideas or on the latest fads or the latest trends. That's a recipe for disaster. When we do it ourselves, it's not biblical. It's not the, it's not the way you do church. We want a church that's built on the authority of God's word and this put together by the Holy Spirit as we submit and we surrender to him and we worship him, we let him put it all together. And just watch as God brings different people into the body with gifts to minister to the body of Christ. I hope this has been an encouragement to you this morning. I hope you've learned something. There's a whole lot more on worship, but that is the nuts and bolts of it is you have corporate worship, song time, praise and worship, and then you have individual worship, which is how Dalton lives out his life on the campus of the University of South Carolina or Steve and his business. It's, it's how we live our lives that matters to God. And let it never be done in vain, especially in the area of rebellion. Say, just pray, say, God, soften my heart. Let me hear your voice. Let me be led by your spirit. Amen? Hey, guys, thank y'all so much for coming out on this stormy morning and hearing this message. I hope you're encouraged. I hope you're challenged. And I hope it, it, God takes you to a point where you're a wholehearted worshiper. And, you, and you, maybe you need to go home and start studying your Bible on the subject of worship and see what God says. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, thank you, Lord, for worship. <clears throat> Lord, help us to understand that worship is a lifestyle. That how we treat our spouses, how we live our life at home, how we, how we do our business at work, it's all worship unto you, Lord. It all flows from our heart. It's manifested in the way we live. So God, help us to give our lives as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable and pleasing to you. And Father, for our corporate worship, when we gather, Father, we understand now it's not a show. 
but it's a place of where people can exalt you, Lord. They can open their hearts to you, Lord Jesus, and worship you, as you said in John chapter 4, in spirit and truth. In Jesus' name.